Thanks, Liz. Morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Give us a thumbs up if you can hear me. Great, wonderful. Now, while I get myself sorted out, I just want to uh, recommend to you a, a very short book. Um, this series is all about hope. And this is a book uh, written by a Christian pastor who was diagnosed with cancer. I'm actually about to talk about him in a moment. Um, diagnosed with cancer and uh, sought a hope beyond a cure, hope in the face of cancer. And since we're talking about hope for the next five weeks, this will be a great little book that will explore the Christian hope, what it is, how we can have it, how it can be sure of it. Uh, it's short. You could knock it over in a couple of hours if you really wanted to. Great book. I highly recommend it. Well, uh, let's get into it. How about I kick us off by praying? Let's pray together. Father God, you are so good to us. You have uh, given us many opportunities to uh, continue to connect, even in lockdown, even in the uh, world that is faced with fear and coronavirus and vaccines and leaders and all those things, Father. We, we know that you are still good to us among all those things. Father, I pray now that as we look at your word, that you would show us that there is something bigger than our fears. There is a hope that goes beyond our fears, a hope that is better than our fears. Help us to see that hope today, grasp that hope, know that hope, and be liberated from our fears by that hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the, the way this book starts out, it, it actually starts out with um, the, the guy who wrote it, wrote it. He tells us about the worst week he's ever lived. In one week, two words left him feeling completely and utterly hopeless. The words were tumour and incurable. Tumour and incurable. Now, like I said, he's a pastor, and at the time, it was in 2011 when he had this diagnosis, he was preparing to start a new church in Darwin. He and his family had planned everything, they'd prepared for months, they'd actually packed up their house and it was being shipped to Darwin as they were still at home uh, in their home in Canberra. They were looking forward to a new start and a new future. But after experiencing some uh, chest pains and breathlessness, he took a trip to the hospital and ended up in emergency where they actually found a tumour. And, and as they kind of uh, operated on it and did biopsies and, and diagnosed him further, they found that he actually had stage four lung cancer. And this was a guy who didn't even smoke. And the prognosis, it wasn't good. He had maybe a year. Chemo doesn't really work on this kind of cancer. There was no cure. There was no more operating that could be done. It was incurable. In just one week, he had everything taken away. His plans for Darwin, his strength, his independence, his hope, everything taken from him. My question to you today is, what do you fear? Do you fear going through a similar week? Do you fear your life being ripped out of your hands? Do you fear getting COVID and what that could do to you? Do you fear the vaccines? Do you fear death? Do you fear the death of your loved ones? What is it that you fear? You know, fear, it surrounds us. The news feeds our fears constantly. Ads, they just motivate us with fear, either sex or fear, right? 
And fear, it holds us back from what we could achieve. Fear, it strips away our hope. But the thing is, we're never actually going to be free from fear. There will always be something to fear. The question is, what are you going to do with that fear? How are you going to react to that fear? How will you face that fear? Do you know what the number one most repeated command in the Bible is? It's not about money. It's not about sex. It's not about how you speak. It's not about sin. The number one most repeated command in the whole entire Bible is this. Do not fear. Do not fear. Today we're going to see in these four short verses why we don't need to fear. And it's actually the opposite of what you might think. It's about fearing more, not less. In these four verses, Jesus is going to show us what bad fear is. Then he's going to show us what good fear is. Then he's going to show us the reason why we don't actually need to fear at all. So the first thing that Jesus tells us about is bad fear. Jesus shows us what we should not fear. And like I already mentioned, fear, it drives us so much. We live in a world full of frightful things everywhere. You know, there's spiders, there's snakes, there's invisible viruses, there's COVID, there's car accidents. There's lots to be afraid of, right? But most significantly is death. The fear of death. And it's because death is unavoidable. It comes for all of us. It can take everything away from us. It takes away the people that we love. It takes away our own lives. That's what death is, isn't it? The fear of death is a huge driving factor for all of humanity. So much so that Ernest Becker, the Pulitzer Prize winner, says this in his book, The Denial of Death. Now, this is a bit of a meaty quote, but uh, do what you can. For behind the sense of insecurity in the face of danger, behind the sense of discouragement and depression, there always lurks the basic fear of death. A fear that undergoes the most complex elaborations and manifests itself in many indirect ways. No one is free from the fear of death. The anxiety, neuroses, the various phobic states, even a considerable number of depressive suicidal states and many schizophrenias amply demonstrate the ever-present fear of death, which becomes woven into the major conflicts of the given psychopathological conditions. We may take for granted that the fear of death is always present in our mental functioning. Pretty meaty, big words. He's saying that the fear of death, it's always there. And it pops up in, in ways that we might not expect. But you can be absolutely sure that there is always something in our thoughts, in our thinking, in our feelings that is motivated by a fear of death. And you know what really feeds a fear of death? You know what really exacerbates it and blows it into overdrive? A global pandemic. An invisible virus. Who's, the only thing it can do better than killing us is to spread to more and more of us. We've lived in a world of a heightened sense of fear of death for the past 18 months. Now, you might know people who say, but I don't fear death because I believe there's nothing beyond death. That death is the end. What's to fear about that? Now, there are two things I would say to them. There are two things I'd say to someone who says, I don't fear death because it's the end. And the first one is this. How do you know? 
How can you be so sure? It's a pretty big risk to take, isn't it? How can you be so sure that there's nothing after this death, after this life? There's nothing beyond death. You could be risking your eternity. Don't you want to be certain of that? But secondly, and more practically, even if you don't fear your own death, what about the death of those you love? Aren't you afraid of losing them too? You may not fear your death, but what about the death of your husband or wife or children or brothers and sisters, mother and father, closest friends? You see, death, it strips everything from us. Just like my friend who was diagnosed with cancer had everything stripped away from him. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, don't fear what can only kill. That's the wrong kind of fear. That's the bad fear. Don't fear what can only kill you and do nothing else. Come with me now to Luke chapter 12, the reading that Liz read for us earlier. And look at verse 4. Jesus says to his friends, those who followed him, those who believed in him and trusted him. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and that's it. Don't fear the one who can kill you and nothing else. Now, why would he say that? Isn't death the ultimate thing to fear? Well, not if death isn't the end. Not if there is something far more dreadful than death. Not unless there is something worse than death. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. And that brings me to my next point. Fear God who can condemn. Jesus says this actually is the good kind of fear. This is the right kind of fear. This is the fear that will actually free us from fear. Look with me at the very next verse, verse 5. I'll, I'll go from verse 4. I tell you, my friends, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Fear him. Jesus says, don't fear what can only kill you. Instead, fear the one who can kill you and then send you to hell. The one who can condemn you for all eternity. And Jesus, he's really hitting this idea home. He uses the word death three times for emphasis. He said, death is not the most dreadful thing. Hell is. Now, some of you might think that the idea of hell is offensive. Tim, how can you talk about hell? How can you talk about a God who condemns? God isn't like that. I thought God was loving. How can God judge us? But I'm sorry to say, it's not just me saying this. These are the words of Jesus. That's why I read them. And Jesus talks about hell as a real place, a reality for those who reject God. Jesus talks about hell a lot. In fact, he talks about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. Not because it gives him kicks, not because he enjoys sending people to their suffering, because he's warning us. He desperately doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And so he talks about it so that we might be warned. And that's what he's doing here. He warns us, fear the one who can send you to hell. Jesus says there's something beyond death, 
It is God, and we should fear him more than we fear death. But this fear is more than just dread or terror. This fear is best described as awe. In the Bible, awe is an emotion that's a mix of of a number of things, of dread, yes, but also adoration and wonder. It's all those things united together and directed towards someone. Let me explain by way of a children's book. I read this book as a child, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Uh, It's a great book. I suggest everyone goes and reads it. It's wonderful. It's fantasy. It's fantastic. But there's one part of it where it really clearly illustrates what it means to fear God in the Bible sense, right? So Susan and Lucy, they're two characters in the book, and they speak to two other characters, Mr. and Mr. Beaver. And they want to know all about the great Aslan. He's the Jesus-like saviour of the story. And they ask if Aslan is a man. And so Mr. Beaver, he replies, Aslan, a man? Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the woods, the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie. And make no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. He's the king, I tell you. That is what it's like to be in awe. In the presence of a God who is not safe, but is good, we are filled with dread and wonder and adoration. God isn't safe, but he is good. That is the God of the Bible. This is the God who is the father of Jesus. And when you really get to know who God is, then you'll be in awe of him and you'll want to be on his side. But let me pause there for a minute. Haven't I just replaced one kind of fear with another, with one that's actually far worse? Haven't I just led you to a worse place than you were before? Yeah, now I don't fear death. Now I fear being condemned forever. And sure, God is good, but how do I know God is good to me? How do I know that I don't need to fear God? Well, this is my last point. The reason we don't need to fear. We don't need to dread God because he loves us. Look with me at verses 6 and 7. These are the last two verses we have read. Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Do you know how many hairs there are on your head? I don't. And it's not because... They're all disappearing from here and ending up here, and I can't keep track of them. I don't know how many hairs are on my head, but God does. Because God cares so much about me that he even cares about the number of hairs on my head. God cares so much about you that he knows how many hairs are on your head. He cares so much about your life. He knows everything about your life because he loves you. And what about sparrows? 
or maybe in a more modern Sydney context, bin chickens. Aren't they the least valuable bird in the city? Yet they aren't even forgotten by God. And how much more valuable are you than an ibis, than a sparrow, than a pigeon? You are so much more valuable. God loves you and cares for you. He is good to you. Do you need proof? Well, he's proved it, right? We don't need to fear God because he loves us and he's shown us his love. 2,000 years ago, God definitively proved his love for mankind. Jesus, God's son, died on the cross for us. God sent his very own son. He forsook his son for our sake. Jesus died in our place. He took the condemnation that I deserve. On the cross, he faced both death and hell so that we don't have to. We don't fear God because God has proved his love for us by making the ultimate sacrifice. And you know what? We don't even need to fear death either because Jesus didn't stay dead. We're going to speak about this more in a few weeks. And so if you still have questions, come back then. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose back to life, showing that he defeated death. He made his way through death into eternal life so that we can have that too. Mark Twain is uh, once said, if your job is to eat a frog, it's best to do it first thing in the morning. And if your job is to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest first. Now, the idea there is if you need to do something that's really hard, really difficult, if you need to do something frightful, face it first. Everything else after that is much easier. What faces us first is condemnation in hell. And secondly, death, the greatest fear and the second greatest fear. Jesus ate the biggest frog for us. He has rescued us from hell when he died on the cross. And then Jesus ate our second frog when he defeated death. He's done the most hardest, most difficult, most fearful things for us so that we don't need to be frightened. Do you realize that our God in heaven is far more than we could ever imagine? He's far more powerful. He's far more dreadful. And he's far more loving. He cares for you. He loves you dearly. God is on our side. His son has defeated death. Other fears pale in comparison to that. And Jesus offers us real hope. Hope in the face of COVID. Hope beyond vaccines. Hope in the face of sickness and suffering and pain and death. Now, we would love for you to keep exploring these things with us. We would love for you to join us over the next five weeks as we explore the hope that we have in Jesus. We're going to be attacking it from different angles. Uh, so if you have a particular question, uh, keep tuning in and we might answer it for you over the next few weeks. So please do continue to join us on Sundays. Or another thing you can do is uh, join us for Introducing Jesus, which Bobby mentioned earlier. It's a series where we explore who Jesus is and what he really did and said. Did Jesus really die on the cross? Did Jesus really rise back to life? Can we trust that what the Bible actually says about Jesus is true? We would love for you to come join us. And you can head to the website for details and things like that. But what I desperately want for every single one of you is to take hold of the hope that Jesus offers us. A hope beyond fear, a hope beyond death, a hope beyond hell, the hope of eternal life. Let me pray.
Father God, you are so good to us. You have given us a way through fear, through death, through condemnation. You have given us hope. For those of us who have already taken hold of this hope, Father, let us help us to never, ever let go, to hold on to it for dear life, no matter what might happen. When death comes knocking, when sickness and pain and suffering come, help us to hold on to that hope. For those of us that aren't yet fully convinced of that hope, show us that it is true and real and for us. Show us what it means. Help us to understand it and know it and make a good decision about it. Father, I pray for everyone who is joining us today that you would give them hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.